It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where a Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. It is time for Faith and Life to Connect here on Rise FM. This is The Session, and I'm Scott here with Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. We're off and running. Yes, spring, we are. Spring-ish. Yes. You realize there's going to be payback for this in April. Oh, yeah. You know, all this uh, non-snow this winter, there's going to be payback. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it probably will be in rain, I hope, more so than <laughs> snow. But it has had, we, I remember some pretty miserable snowstorms in April. Yeah, one of our first Easter's in Ohio, we got nine inches on Easter. <laughs> oh, go find Easter eggs now. <laughs> all right, so today we're going to talk about things that probably shaped our worldview growing up. Yes. And uh, we're going to talk about four tips for parents to help you talk to your kids about the news did you grow up watching the news with your dad every night oh we had no choice uh, yeah i grew up watching walter cronkite every night with my dad right and we're going to talk about one of the elements of that i seem to remember from cronkite and everybody else mm-hmm. the concept of what leads a newscast well, yeah and we'll get we will get to that I get the impression that, that folks like you in the, in the world of studying our craniums, since you are the king of the cranium, would would feel like us sitting in watching that news night after night after night, that that may have shaped our worldview. Yes. Especially based on the content of that news. I'm trying not to say what, what that is. Yeah. I'm trying uh, to save it. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll get to it. We'll get there. We will get there. Yeah. But before we dive into all of that and, you know, who knows what else may come up, we're going to turn to God's Word and start with some hope this morning. This is true, Scott. And we're, we're going to talk about Paul's writings in Philippians, and this scripture is going to be important to me, too. See, but unlike you, I wanted to watch it. Oh, well, See, you felt forced to. I wanted to. But the reason I was forced is really interesting. Uh-oh. So we're sitting at the, at the dinner table, and we were not allowed to get up from the table until we ate what, in front, what was in front of us. Well, if there were stewed tomatoes and liver sitting there, the news came and went a long time before I... Yeah. Yeah, the liver night was a bad night. That It was. I still have some nightmares about there, but they're getting better. So Paul writes, Scott, in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. When we are talking media and we're talking news, how accurate is the media with Philippians 4.8? What is true? Whoopsie. <laughs> well, we tripped right out of the gate on that one. <laughs> we did, didn't we? Um, noble, right, pure. You know, that's so sad. Yeah. I don't think we can say this enough. What we watch, whether your kids are watching something on their phones 
or consuming it on TV or YouTube or whatever, it is going to shape their worldview. Yes. You know, me watching Cronkite every night shaped my worldview, my toys as a kid. Right. G.I. Joe's, hmm. Army men, building forts out in the woods. And bombing your sister. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't mess with Lorraine too much because she could beat me up back then. Uh <laughs> I didn't know. I, I wanted to avoid Lorraine at all costs. Okay, so um, defending yourself against Defending Lorraine. myself against all foes, foreign <laughs> and domestic. Right. And, um, yeah, so we're going to talk about four tips for parents talking to your kids about the news uh, by Tammy Devine and Joni DeBrito from Focus on the Family. Let's just jump right into it, Tom. When we begin to talk about articles or, or the news, this is an example of smartphones, the footage of a violent uh, interaction. What we're talking about is that it's so easy to do that. What shows up online is not even as edited as what would show up on TV. So consequently, they're seeing the whole blood and gut thing. You know, that it, that makes me so mad when I see these video clips that they play of uh, kids getting beat up in school. Right. Nobody's helping the kid beating up, but everybody's got their phone out taking a picture of it. Yeah. That infuriates me. Well, that's their mindset and their worldview. Now, Maybe I get to be the first one to put this on TikTok. Who uh, cares? Yes, exactly. Get off my yeah. lawn. Uh. <laughs> that's that's what I'm becoming. I know it. I'm becoming the get off my lawn guy. I know. Yeah. It, it just it angers me when people care so little for each other. Yeah. That we'd rather watch and record somebody getting whooped. Than to help them not get whooped. Exactly. Where did that come from? And Straight I, from the pit of hell. Over there. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very possible online to see things like law enforcement officers interact with suspects, extremists, setting police cars on fire, or even shooting during protests. And like, this is okay, but we talked before we went on the air about the research going clear back into the early and mid-70s. With Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and they both proved that children will learn from what they see on TV and that TV has an impact on their behavior. When human rights is more important than our own health and safety, we can say, oh, yeah, they're allowed to see that blood and guts on there. They're allowed to learn violence on there. And what's that done to our country? That's where it gets, Scott, so upsetting and concerning that it's not about what god's view is it's about human rights what my view is yeah so scott i know you've been itching to get this phrase out (laughs) a phrase i learned in college it was part of journalism Mm. the idea if it bleeds it leads so if we just define that yes we probably should Sometimes disturbing news are usually featured first in a newscast. How's come? You're the radio mind, the media mind. Because it gets our attention. We are fascinated by disaster. So then we are in. It's, it's so bad and, we can't look away. And so now we're hooked on whatever this. Now whatever's next, they got us. So the more the dramatic or devastating a story is, the more time a news broadcast will devote to it. This includes stories like violent protests, alleged police brutality, school shootings or devastating weather look at what that does to someone who's eight or nine years old and when we begin to think about Kohlberg's model of morality his theory on when children learn their moral values in elementary school they really don't have their own set in stone yet by the time they hit junior high 
they're adopting those from other people. And by the time they hit high school, they're beginning to develop their own. So their whole moral compass inside of a child is very vulnerable. And we're going to show them the, the blood and gut scene of news and that policemen are bad people. I'll tell you what, I am so thankful for the policemen that we have. I'm not saying that they're all perfect, and nor are all of either political party you want to talk about per <laughs> let's, let's remind ourselves of the book of Romans, for all have sinned and come short <laughs> of the glory of God. I, I think that some scriptures may be edited. <laughs> Let's see, isn't that what they called the NIV when it first came out, the nearly inspired version? <laughs> that was the standing when it, remember that when it first came out? Yeah. So, yeah, you look at this today and... I think if your kids are going to watch this, we wonder why they're so fascinated with blood and gore and video games. Yeah. Now, there's a whole other show in and of itself that we haven't touched on in a while is video game violence. Uh, yes. And they're seeing all this stuff on TikTok. They're seeing it on Instagram. Parents, you need to know what your kids are watching on their phones. You yeah. need to have a solid grip on it because otherwise there's no telling what they're going to get into. We wonder why there's a fascination with violence. Look at what they're feeding themselves. Garbage right. in, garbage out. The computer was basically, originally the concept of the computer was designed after the brain. What goes into a computer is what's in there and it's what's going to come out. But that concept came from the mind. You're only going to talk about and do the things that you've learned and experienced and know. So we're talking about four tips for talking to your kids about the news. So tip number one, watch the first part of the newscast. Be careful of that because that's when the biggest parts of violence and damage are going to come out. You need to be more prepared to share that with your kids. Number two, or let's share, talk with them about it. And we're going, to, we're going to kind of get into that a little bit later about how to talk to your kids about it and how to maybe have a dialogue instead of just letting them sit there with their jaws hanging open. Mm -hmm. Tip number two, the next time your younger child, and this I think, Tom, so much of this applies to the younger through fifth grade-ish, okay. where their brains are the most spongish, maybe, where they're absorbing information and trying to figure it out? Well, some would even say, as an example, if we looked at Piaget, so when we're no, talking here about- here we go again. <laughs> oh, yeah. When we look at cognitive development, Piaget would say probably in the ages for young men, around nine, maybe 10 or 11, they begin to be able to theorize- conceptualize this or be able to picture or vision, you know, something that's at another location, like they can be home and think about what their classroom is like. That kind of thing is going to happen pretty consistently for them somewhere between 9 and 11. Young ladies that maybe more so 8 to 10, they're a little ahead of little boys. Uh, I see that up here all the time. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a little more ahead, yes. So now, how are they able to but in the words, if they're seeing this disgusting kind of news, what are they making of it? That this is okay? This is the way life is? Has Everybody's this, doing this. Yeah. Oh, that's. I remember that line when we were kids, everybody's doing it. Yeah. And yeah, that was a big thing, maybe a little bit after you, but definitely in my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's doing it, Dad. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, yeah, number two, the next time your younger child sees a news story repeated, now, this is especially the younger ones. Explain that the news people just want as many people as possible to know that it happened. Right. This, you're, not, you're not seeing a fresh bad thing at the same place. I can't get away from what kind of impact is that having on, on young children? 
And maybe to put in, in yet a different perspective that reflects on that thought, there are articles, there are tips on stress management that basically says, don't watch the news. Mm-hmm. We're talking to adults because it causes them depression. If it causes parents to be depressed, what's it going to cause the children? Sherry, my, my wife tells me a lot, would you stop watching that? All it's doing is making you mad. Mm-hmm. And she's right. There are times I watch the news and I just get angry. Well, and anger management there includes figuring out where the off button is and using it. I get enough of what's going on just with headlines that you see on the internet when you're looking for something else. Mm-hmm. And it's disgusting. So why, why do you want to rev your motor to a point where your wife's like, hey, Scott, remember me? <laughs> I don't know. Were you on Seinfeld this week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, 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 you may know the answer to this, Tom. I just thought of it. You know, nine eleven for you and I was a very, you know, we were adults. I was on the air when it happened. Mm-hmm. Have there been any studies done of the impact of nine eleven and the impact of the planes on the buildings? That's the Pennsylvania thing, the bombing of the of the uh, Pentagon being played over and over and over and over again and kids seen it over and over and over have there right. been any studies done on kids that were elementary school that at that right. time i would not be surprised if there were i think there is i think there is something to that because it would have an impact here's another part of that that i'm curious about how many of maybe the young people were motivated to join the armed forces. I hear I've heard that a lot in different stories over the years from people when they came back, uh-huh. and they would be talking about the uh, the PTSD. Right, and a lot of them felt compelled after nine eleven. We've got to defend our country. I'm going into the Marine Corps. Right, you know Pat Tillman got a lot of press about that. He was playing for the Arizona Cardinals at the time in the, in pro football. He left his pro career. Went into the military, wound up losing his life in Afghanistan. That's and so his, sad. His, there's a statue of him, I think, even now outside the, the Cardinal Stadium in Arizona. Yeah. Right All right, so down. we're talking about, though, the four tips for talking with your kids about the news. So we've kind of covered the idea of watching the first part of the newscast, being careful with that because that's where yeah. the most violent material right. is. Make sure the kids understand, especially the younger ones, that – what you're seeing played back over and over is not the same thing happening again. Is apparently children 9-11 thought the planes continued to hit the building. Wow. That was coming yeah. back and again and again and again. Mm. That, you know, make yeah. sure they understand that, especially the younger ones. Number three, help your older children process their emotions after a difficult story. You know, with all the the press that school shootings have gotten. I bet a lot of kids have come home and said, Mommy, when is my school going to get shot up? I have always thought if your child struggles to talk to you about important things like that. One of the strategies that I've talked about over the years is what I call the third party strategy. Parents ask their children, what are your friends at school saying about it? More times than not, you'll get the child's view along with that. Mm -hmm. And, And so it helps them talk about it. But if they don't talk about it, if they don't bring it to the light, and then hear a different perspective potentially, then this begins to set inside of them. If they're upset by it, then they begin to react to that anger and they're capable of things that are scary just to think about. And, and less mature children are going to process that in different ways and it's going to express in different ways. 
Yeah. Which could be in more violence. Right. Another point to make here is we talk about helping older children process. They're old enough, once they get past that fifth grade, sixth grade area, to start understanding the notion that news is a show as much as it is a business. It's really as much, um, well, what I used to teach with history of, of radio. We used to call them the, the, uh, the weather babes. You know, there's always this bombshell of a, of a pretty girl that had skin flapping all over the place. Didn't know a thing about the weather. There was some <laughs> chubby, bald guy in the back doing the forecast, putting it on the teleprompter for her. But that's what they used to do because they wanted the entertainment, the wow factor. Right. And, you know, it's, it's so much more a production now. Right. It's the competition between the, the big networks to be number one. So they're going to, as a business, they're going to do whatever it takes for that, which means they're going to replay it over and over again. They're going to show it. And they're trying to appeal to the tastes or what's going to motivate people to listen and follow and watch their, their news. I just can't fathom how my parents would live and breathe that stuff. Another example of it's in... I don't want to criticize it directly, but the Weather Channel. Every time there's a disaster, there's Jim Cantore standing in the middle of a hurricane. That's right. Getting blown down the street. (laughs) We understand the wind's 110 miles an hour. You don't need to demonstrate its effects. Get under shelter, you dumbhead. Right. You know, the idea that, that, you know, they put that on there. And what did it do? It drew people to Weather Channel because they were going to see a picture of the hurricane. They were going to see a picture of the tornado as it hit a building. And that was stuff that then all of a sudden the news organization said, oh, we got to cover that too. Now look at all the ratings we're losing. Yeah. That ramps up that entertainment value. And I definitely like the weather too, but I'm going to watch the weather from a standpoint of, are we safe or not? Oh, I never found a storm I didn't want to chase. Oh, see, yeah. See, I was, mm-hmm. I was not too far away from actually taking more serious meteorology classes in college. Yeah, my wife is now capable of saying, do we have to go to the basement again? <laughs> oh, I would send my girls to the basement all the time. I'd go outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I'd go to the second floor. Oh, uh, because you, know, you want to see it. I want to see that it's coming because I get tired of, of uh, the boy who cried wolf. Big storm coming, big storm coming, big storm coming. And so I go out and watch for it. My favorite is, oh, we've got this winter storm warning. You're going to get a foot of snow and we get a dusting. That's right. (laughs) Think about how many children out there are so disappointed by that. Snow day, snow (laughs) day. (laughs) Do we have to go to school? Do we really have to do that? Yeah. All right. Moving on to the fourth tip to help your kids with the news. It is important for parents to help children understand why the news is presented the way it is. We've kind of talked about that a little bit. Yes, right. Children might naturally believe it's just about delivering facts and information objectively. As adults, we know better. Right. The news is a show. I mean, look what they've done with the Super Bowl now. The Super Bowl is on Nickelodeon. Really? And they're putting all the Nickelodeon splats and different you know, flashy elements to it uh-huh. to entertain children and get them. And what's it all about? Indoctrinating them to love football and want to watch it on the other network when they get older. Maybe that's a little bit better than some of the things they're trying to indoctrinate the children into. Valid point. Which years ago, we were at Texas University Bookstore. Another great example. We're going through the the bookstore, and you know they're they're kind of intriguing. Obviously, it was all Texas stuff, just like in Columbus. Of course. What was interesting is. They had beginning readers with 
teaching two-year-olds and younger or around that age how to learn to read by indoctrinating them into being a Texas Longhorn. Book them horns. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. So that when they grew older, that's all they would know, which that's okay. I'm sure Ohio State does the same thing. Oh, heavens, yes. But here's my point. What are they learning there if they're learning that at that age? Aren't we showing that potential for danger, the things that they're learning and growing now from the news, as an example? Right. Or right. this, I'm not sure what the right adjective here is, so we'll just say the media. <laughs> well, yeah, let's go with that. And <laughs> <laughs> what they're teaching. But it's gone beyond news. You could look at commercials. Yeah, it is. It's com- There's commercials that are doing it. You know, you're seeing stories now all about the indoctrination that is going on in our schools. And you wonder why private schools enrollments are all going up across the country there's a reason for that that's right parents are catching on all right we need to wrap up tom we need to just a reminder for you today to watch the news with your kids and it doesn't have to be a bad thing you don't have to go oh my gosh when you do it together you know the article talks about that we've been kind of talking around today using discernment wisdom and critical thinking to watch the news together and it's a way you can help the kids, your kids understand what the world is like. Right. You can help them maybe instead of focusing on what they're talking about, maybe you talk about the building that's behind here. Look at this building. You right. Know, look at how that that's made or, you know, talk. see how the right. clothes are different. Well, and here's a thought, too. So why not have when the children, you know, would be watching something on TV that would be inappropriate, we would fast forward it or stop right there. Why not fast forward through the violence so, so that they're not getting indoctrinated with it? The last thing that uh, that they point out here in the article from Tammy Devine and, and Joni DeBrito from Focus on the Family is the idea of maybe, you know, talking with your kids. And I find it interesting, Tom, that they end the article with the verse we started with. How about that? And maybe that would be appropriate today to recount for them once again, Philippians 4, 8, and try and put... You know, maybe you can put a biblical perspective on what's going on in the world, and you can bring out Scripture and say, see, Johnny, the Bible says this, and now look what's happening. And you can see, now the kids can start tying in the Bible is true based on what they're, what's being read and what they're seeing in their world today. That's what's called a biblical worldview. Scott, that's awesome. I couldn't agree with that more. So and to remind our listeners again, Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And if you're into music and how it applies to Scripture, look up Petra, think on these things. Yeah. Just want to throw that one in there. <laughs> All right, Tom, if someone is, you know, they're thinking maybe, you know what, our kids are, ha- our kids are having trouble with this, and it's beyond me. So maybe right. sitting down with someone like you could be helpful. Right. Um, How can they start a conversation with Tom? Well, Scott, I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. 